0: Welcome to the Tarleton BSM podcast. Today we'll be starting our new 402 series to the ends of the earth. We hope you enjoy this message from Megan Trotter. So thank you. If this is your first time to 402, thank you for braving the cold. Uh, my name's Megan Trotter. I get the privilege of teaching 402 every now and then. Um, I also get the privilege of hanging out with our freshman class every Tuesday. So shameless plug if you're a freshman and you haven't been spending your Tuesdays with us, shame on you. You're missing out on the time of your life and so come join our journey group. It's here in this building Tuesday nights at 7. Shameless plug because come come hang out with us. Um, You also are here on a great night because we're kicking off a brand new series called To the Ends of the Earth. And so if you haven't been here before, great. You're not behind, not even in the slightest. But we are going to take a look at missions God's mission and the part that we play in it, um, and how the book of Acts tells us about it. So, the Bible, it's a book, right? But the Bible's made up of a lot of individual books. And as you flip through it, um, if you look at it like one book, it'll get a little confusing um, because some books are written in a certain way, like poetry, some are like law and history, and some are um, prophecy. And so they're kind of like in language some of us don't understand. I don't know if you're gifted in that way. I'm not. Um, But the books are very different. But Acts is a very unique book. So if you're new to us or new to the Bible, the Bible is divided into two parts. The Old Testament is the series of books that covers creation. It also covers um, God's people, Israel, and how um, they learned about God. They followed God. Sometimes they didn't follow God and how they would make their way back to God. And we learn a lot from there their wins and their losses. Um, And so that's kind of the overview of the Old Testament is following Israel and some of its key families. The New Testament starts off with the life of Jesus. So Jesus is our answered prayer. Jesus is everything we're ever going to talk about at the BSM. Um, Jesus is the promise and the answer to our problem called sin. And so sin is um, pretty much all of our worst mistakes um, and all of our disobedient towards God built up, separating us from God. Um, and if, if you've been around here, we talk about a lot, like God is the source of everything good. And so the more sin there is, the more separation from God, the worse it gets. And 2020 is a lot of proof of that. Um, but Jesus comes, and he's like what the Old Testament has been looking forward to. So all the Old Testament, looks forward to Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the first four books of the Bible. And those are the first-hand encounter of Jesus' life. Acts is the next book, the fifth book. If you, if you spent some time in, in Acts, you already know where we're headed. So Acts is very unique because it is, is written like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's written by one of Jesus' friends. But the difference is, is Jesus is ascended to heaven. He's planted his church and he's sending them out on mission. And so Acts looks a lot like some of the way we do church today. Sometimes it doesn't, sometimes it does, but a lot of what we get about church comes from Acts and the letters that flow out of it in the New Testament, okay? So this series, this week, next week, the week after that, and then one more week, we're going to be looking at the book of Acts. So if you got your Bibles, flip them open or flip them on. If you don't, it's okay. The words will be up on the screen, but we are going to be in Acts chapter one. So just to kick off this series, we might as well start where Acts starts, right? Acts chapter 1, it picks up where Jesus has just died on the cross like, like a murderous, bad, bad death in front of a ton of people. And his friends, his family, they mourn him. Um, and then he rises from the dead three days later, and he pretty much shows off for a while. Like He, he goes and eats. He goes talks to his friends. Um, he does some really fun things with their minds. Like he, he shows up. And they don't know who he is. He, he kind of appears places. And he's just kind of um, living this awesome resurrected life where he knows that he's defeated death. Um, he's made a way for us to get back to God. And this is the very end, the very last day of Jesus' resurrected life here on earth. Okay. Verse one, it says in my former book, Theophilus. So my being Luke. So Luke is one of Jesus' best friends. He wrote the book of Luke. He also wrote the book of Acts. And so it kind of, it's kind of like a sequel. I don't know, um, I don't know who Theophilus is, but we know it's somebody that Luke wanted to tell this story to. In my former book, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. Okay, after given instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. So he's setting the stage to tell a story. So he's like, I've told you everything, even about the day that Jesus went into heaven and gave us clear instructions. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke to them about the kingdom of God. So he's pretty much saying Jesus for real was here. Even though he for real died, he for real was alive. Okay. On one occasion... While he was eating with them, he gave them this command, okay? Everybody brace yourself, because this is the kickstart of Jesus' mission and command for the church. So he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit, Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. Okay, I just want to pause right there and kind of catch you up on what just happened. So Jesus, he commands his closest friends, his disciples, he says, wait, don't leave Jerusalem. If there's anything I know Christians are bad at, it's waiting. But here we are seeing Jesus commanding someone to wait, commanding his friends to wait. He then um, tells them, hey, I'm going to give you something, something I've already been telling you about. And then he says, I'm going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. This is not the first time they've heard of the Holy Spirit, but it's the first time they've heard of it in this way. um, Because they've been doing baptism by water, and now Jesus is talking about baptism with the Spirit. Um, the Holy Spirit, like in John 14:17, I don't have it on the screen, but you can write it down and look, look it up later, is one of those moments, not the only moment, but it's one of those moments where Jesus promises the Holy Spirit. He tells them, hey, I've got to leave so that the helper can come. Other translations say, I've got to leave so the advocate can come. And he's talking about the Holy Spirit because Jesus, Jesus was as flesh as you and me. And so Jesus could be here, but he couldn't be over there at the same time. Um, does that make sense? Like, But the Holy Spirit can be wherever and in people and, and has all this power and can spread God's power out. And so Jesus says, let me get out of the way so the Holy Spirit can come. And he's, he's telling them, this is about to happen. I've been telling you about this gift. This is about to happen. Just like Christians, just like humans, they're completely distracted. Jesus is talking about giving them the power of God and they're asking about politics. Okay. He says, he says, Are you going at this time to restore the kingdom of Israel? So, God, Jesus is talking about God's kingdom, like heaven and powers and um, this beautiful salvation that Jesus just died for. Like, he's talking about big picture stuff. And they're like, Wait, so are you going to deliver us from Rome? Like, I just, I really wanted to put that out because I think that's so funny. We do that. Like God gives us these awesome commands and we're like, wait, does this mean he's like, No. That's what he says. He says, um, it's not for you to know that. Like this is, he's like he pretty much brushes them off. And so in verse eight is where he, where he picks back, he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes. And a cloud hid him from their sight, and they were looking intently into the sky as he was going. And when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking at the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you to heaven, will come back in the same way you've seen him go to heaven. Okay, so Jesus gives them his command. Wait here in Jerusalem. They get a little sidetracked, but then he says... But when you get the Holy Spirit, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Okay? Truth be told, I don't think all of us are gonna leave understanding what this means. Here's why. Because immediately after this, they're staring at the sky, going, What? Like, and angels go, Why are you looking at heaven? He just told you to do something. And so I believe like we're easily distracted, we're easily confused, even though God is really clear. And so God God himself, Jesus, says, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Okay? For context, geographically, okay, he's saying, be my witnesses here in your home with your people. Then go to your neighboring countries. Then go to those neighboring countries and those neighboring countries until you hit the end of the earth. Okay? Okay? Acts starts here, but it ends to a point where they have shared the gospel with every part of the world they knew people were on. They didn't share the gospel with every people, but they shared the gospel with every people they knew lived. Like the modern world at their time, they went there. They went to Rome. They went to Samaria. They went all through the Middle East as we know it. And they planted all these churches, and it was beautiful. And the book of Acts is really only about 30 years long. Okay, like at, from start to finish, from this point to the end of Book book's act, it's only about 30 minutes long. 30, sorry. Well, depends on if you look at it from God's perspective. 30 years long, okay? Only in 30 years. And so as we get kick off this series and as we look to the ends of the earth, there's a couple things that I really want us to go into this series with the mindset of. The first one being that God is a missional God, okay? God's not asking us to do anything that he isn't willing to do himself. And so when Jesus came here he was God in the flesh. We, we talked about this a, a few weeks back. We talked about how if you see Jesus then you've seen the face of God. And he is God in the flesh. And so he came here. He left the comfort of his throne where he's surrounded by compliments, surrounded by praise, to literally be spit on, made fun of, and hung on a cross. Like he, he came to us. He went on a mission. And his mission, the mission of God, it's about having every people from every nation, tribe, tongue, like every single part of the earth, having all of those people brought back into a right relationship with God. That's why Jesus left heaven. And so Jesus went on a mission for every... God doesn't discriminate. He wants every single person. That's why he didn't say, just go share the gospel with your family. Or he didn't say, share the gospel with your friends. He said, go to your enemies and go to people you don't even know exist. He says, go to the ends of the earth. Don't stop until everyone hears. And Jesus has proven that he will go where no one else will. Because that's what he did. He went to the lowest of the low, which is us, from the best of the best. And so God is not willing, asking us to do anything he isn't willing to do himself. And he's not asking us to do anything that he hasn't already set the example for. And so God is a missional God. The second thing I want to point out is that God's strategy to reach the world is us. Now, God doesn't need us. He chooses to use us. And that's love and grace if I've ever heard of it, okay? Like God, being all goodness, like I I said, everything good flows out of God, has invited us to do what he does. And we don't deserve that. But God's strategy is to use us. In another account of one of Jesus' last words, Matthew 28 is what we call the Great Commission. He he says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have told you, and I'll be with you to the ends of the earth something to that effect, okay? Jesus commands that, and it's because he, Jesus made disciples. He, had, he, he encountered tons of people, but he had 12 disciples, 12 close friends. He modeled everything for, he taught everything for, he answered their questions, he loved them, um, he knew their family, he knew their hopes and their dreams. He, they were close. And he made these disciples, and these are the same ones he's talking to in Acts 1 when he says... Go and be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It's because Jesus made disciples, not just so they would be better, but so they could in turn make disciples who would make disciples who would make disciples. There's tons of beautiful pictures of this process in the New Testament. Paul is one of, one of like I guess, the famous Bible people. Paul invested in Timothy and then in turn told him to invest in faithful men who would in turn invest in faithful men. That's in 2 Timothy 2.2. And that that call is for us too because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And he's asking us to make disciples. And that's the way we reach the world. It's not through big arenas where we share the gospel. It's not when we get a president who shares the gospel. It's if we all together, we all together make disciples. It, it's, it's God's strategy for us um, to play a part in reaching the world. Okay? Third thing I want to point out is life can be more than you think it can be. And until you understand that, it'll be hard to think the mission of God is for you. Um, and, and here's why. Because God's mission is out of your reach, and it's sure out of your capability. And so if your dreams and your goals for life only match what you're capable of, then you will never be walking in the mission of God. Because God is all-powerful and all-wonderful, and His dreams are far bigger than we could ever imagine. And His dreams for our life are bigger than we can imagine. And so until we understand that we have no perspective on our life, it's hard for us to jump into the mission of God. Because we have to admit that we don't know anything. We think we wanna be a school teacher. We think we wanna be a nurse. And those are beautiful things. But you need to multiply that by like a thousand. So like if your goal is to raise up the next generation, is to invest in the next generation through the public education system, which I'm married to a teacher, my mom's a teacher, my sister-in-law's a teacher, my dad's a school board president, so I'm not devaluing teachers. But like, that's not enough. That's not a God-sized dream. Does that make sense? Like, that's beautiful, but multiply that by a thousand. Why don't we change, why don't we reach every school in the U.S.? Then we're a little bit closer to God's vision for our life. If you, like, want to be a nurse, you want to heal people. You want to take care of people. You want to be there for them at their lowest point in life. That's a good, good dream. But it's still not close to what God could do. Um, through our life, if we fully surrender to him, if we say yes to God, and we say yes to the mission, then we have to admit that we, our dreams are too small. So my hope for us um, is that we would surrender to the call for missions. Now Some of you are thinking, ah, some people are called to missions, but I'm not called to missions. I'm sure. I'm sure I'm called to do accounting. Like, I'm sure you are. I'm not. <laughs> thank God. Um, but the truth is is that the moment that we say yes to Jesus, the moment we say yes, I will follow Jesus. Jesus leads us to the mission field because that's where Jesus is at. Okay? And so the moment we say yes to Jesus is the moment we say yes to the mission. Now that can look different. I will admit that can look different for each of us. But we gave up our right to choose what we do with our life. And the disciples are a perfect example of that. Peter was a fisherman. it ran in his family like he was trained his whole life to do that and in one conversation he walked away from it all another thing to point out about the disciples is they didn't know what they were getting into and the truth is neither will you some of us we wait around we're like i need I'll, i'll go on missions i'm waiting for where and when and how you know like, I want to know how God's going to get me the money. I want to know where God's going to send me, what I'm going to be asked to do, what I'm going to learn from it. We just, we want all these details. And that's not, I mean, that's not in the Bible. That's almost like never happens in the Bible. Isaiah, he said, yes, I'll go on missions. And God didn't give him any context. He just said, who will go for us? And Isaiah said, me. Peter, Jesus said, come follow me. He didn't go Where? She, Peter didn't know that he would be one of the founding disciples of the church. Peter didn't know that he would have to die for Jesus' name. But he still said yes. Because if I can be honest, we probably can't handle knowing about our future. We pray all the time, God, let me know your will for my life. Like, y'all know y'all prayed that prayer, don't even. like. But the truth is, is, like you probably can't handle it. Because if you trust God with your life, you have to trust him. And like he, he gives us the Holy Spirit. And so when he gives us the Holy Spirit, we're capable of doing whatever he asks. But we, we honestly, we don't need to know. We need to say yes without the details. We don't need to say yes, but God, tell me this. Or yes, I'll do this, but you have to send my boyfriend with me. Like we don't, we don't put things on our yes. We just say yes. We put our yes on the table. And so if, if all that happened in the book of Acts only happened in 30 years what could God do with your next 30 years? Hopefully we've all got 30 years ahead of us. But wouldn't it be amazing to look back and say, because I said yes to Jesus, people who had never heard the gospel, never had the Bible written in their language, found Jesus because I said yes. Wouldn't it be amazing to say that? Not like, well, I've got a savings account and my retirement set up. Like, I know we kind of, none of us want to admit that that's our goal, but when, when we're 40, it probably will be our goal. Because <laughs> on average, that's probably the average American goal, the American dream, to be a safe with a little bit of cushion. But how much sweeter would it be to be financially at risk, but spiritually secure and have a million people saying, I know Jesus because of what they did and their obedience to Christ. Does that make sense? Because that's what the disciples did. They were homeless. I mean, I'm not telling you guys to literally move out of your dorm, but they're homeless. But they knew that they made a difference and their life counted for something that would last for eternity. And so that's my hope for all of us. So I hope that we would surrender our life to Jesus. Um, And I know we've done that at different capacities throughout the crowd. Um, But just... Surrender to mission. Surrender to the mission, to the Great Commission. Um, to go to our Jerusalem, our Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Like, say yes to reaching your classmates and your family and your enemies. Um, say yes to whatever God would ask you to do. If it's missions for the summer, if it's missions for a lifetime, just say yes. Say yes before you ever ask you. Because Jesus is the only one who's trustworthy with your life. You're not trustworthy with your life. Like, look, at, look back on your track record of decisions you've made without Jesus. Like, you're not trustworthy with your life. Jesus is trustworthy with your life. And maybe you're here tonight and you haven't surrendered to Jesus at all. Like, you don't know Jesus or you're here and you're kind of questioning what all of this um, Christianity thing is about. I just want to point this out. God is a missional God. And so God pursued us when he came here. But God is still a missional God and God is still pursuing us. I want you to think about this. What are the chances statistically that you would choose to go to Podunk Middle of the Nowhere, Tarleton State University? And what are the chances that you would walk all the way over here in this freezing cold weather on a Thursday night? There's a million other options on Thursday night. I don't know if y'all know this. like, But what are the chances that you would in here? What are the chances that your friend would invite you here? That's from the Lord. And I would argue there are people here that God is pursuing, whether it be for the first time or for the millionth time. God is a missional God, and he comes to us, and he speaks to us because he wants to change us, and he wants to have a right relationship with us. And so if you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus um, ever before, I, I want you to know that you can, um, and you can tonight, and he is trustworthy, and he is worth it. I mean, it's really simple it's as simple as saying yes Lord I will do whatever you want me to do and as the band comes forward tonight um, I just want to say that is really my hope for all of us is that we would say yes Lord I'm willing to do whatever you would ask me to do my hope is that um, that you would understand that you play a part in missions and as a family and as a body of believers we all have to play our part um, when one of us is strong We're all strong. Um, When one of us is weak, we're all weak. Um, We are better together and we all play a part in the same mission and we need each other if we're gonna reach the world. If we're gonna have every tribe, tongue, and nation around the throne of God at the end of this life, then we all need to make disciples. Guys, I want you to realize that God's heart is for people. Um, His heart is for you, his heart is for your family, even your family you don't like. His heart's for strangers you pass all the time, Um, like the lady that works at Chick Fil A, like your boss, like the H-E-B workers. um, But God is also also has a heart for the nations, for people who are completely different than you that don't speak English, that have never even seen the Bible. And so I want you to ask: Could it be you that God is calling to do missions? Missions here missions there, missions overseas, missions wherever. Um, But I hope that you would say yes and see the people in front of you and the people furthest from you, um, and that we would play a part just like these first disciples did in the mission of God. Thank you for listening to the Tarleton BSM podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure to subscribe. Keep up with everything Tarleton BSM. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Tarleton BSM. See you next time.